I'll say, bless the Lord. If you'll say, oh, my soul, bless the Lord. Bless his holy name. Well, good evening, Kairos. I'm Chris. I'm the pastor here. Thank you. Um, Kairos is our honest and unique attempt to connect to God and each other. Um, There's a number of different ways that you guys can do that. We do that Tuesday night celebrating here. We do it pretty much every day of the week by gathering in small pockets of communities called Bible reading groups. If you're new to us or just getting to know us, hey man, that's one of the best ways to get connected uh, to God and each other. There's a list out there at the info bar. New ones are always starting up. It's dynamic. It's changing because many of you are. Um, And so we try to keep up with that. We also have lots of missional opportunities, places to intersect our community and be the hands and feet of Jesus. Thank you guys for those of you who are giving blood right now. Uh, Red Cross is in a critical shortage, and we're one of their largest donors. And so I appreciate you literally helping them save lives. This Friday, we'll be at the Tennessee Baptist Children's Home, hanging out with some of our friends there. Uh, I invite you to be a part of that. Watch me dominate you in Nine Square. You're welcome. Stephanie will tell you more about that later. Not my Nine Square skills, but the Tennessee Baptist Children's Home. And so we just want to kind of be the kind of people that we bring the whole gospel to the whole person, anytime, anywhere, with anybody. We want to be about the gospel first and always. Uh, And so there's a lot of ways that you can do that. Speaking of ways, did you see that? You like that transition? Do you guys have that app, Ways? Like, awesome. I've repented of using uh, iMaps, and now I'm only using Ways, okay? So, yes, thank you. There's no condemnation for me, right? Because... I'm now in ways. Now, I, I found out about this app uh, a couple of years ago. I would use it every once in a while. It, I couldn't tell if it was actually a game or actually a navigation system. Apparently, it's both, um, which is kind of fun. Um, but it's one screen over from my home screen, and my thumb just has muscle memory sometimes, so I'm trying to teach it new ways of behaving. Um, but recently, I rediscovered it because Matt Morris, who's a resident millennial, um, ha- said, Hey, dude, did you know you could get celebrity voices on Waze? I'm like, what? Teach me your Waze. Uh, and so he like does, he jailbreaks it, actually just follows the rules. But in, from my 42-year-old perspective, I'm like, what is this wizardry? And he goes in and it's got like Mr. T's voice. Uh, and so all I've been hearing this week after using the app all weekend is, turn right, sucker. Um, I really wish it would have said, I pity the fool who doesn't turn left here, but it doesn't, but they didn't ask me for my opinion. It also had Lightning McQueen, which my son, youngest son, legitimately had an epileptic attack when he heard that. He could not believe Lightning McQueen was telling him which way to go. It was delightful. Um, But I had to use Waze a lot this weekend because we were at a swim meet in Nashville for two, two days. My wife is just a boss. She was volunteering for our neighborhood swim team, and I was in charge of bringing the kids up and trying to act like that wasn't a big deal. So I, know, I only know how to get to two places in Nashville, the church and my home, okay? 95% of my, that's what I do. I have no life, so it's, it's very boring. But uh, since I've moved here, I've gone the same route to church and home. And usually what I do, if I have to get on the interstate, I just come to the church and then hop on here. And then I'll press ways and go, tell me where to go. But since Mr. T was telling me where to go, I'm like, I want a little bit more of you in my life. And so we hop out and right as I pull out of the driveway, turn right, sucker. And I'm like, thank you. And then he starts taking me around. I know exactly how to get to church. I could probably do it blindfolded before I get on the interstate. He tells me to go a different way. And I don't know if it's because he has an authoritative voice, but I submit it. Um, 
And I'm like, this is foolishness. I'm turning into a neighborhood. This is not going to work out well. Something's wrong with ways. Someone's hacked it. Matt Morris is playing a joke on me, right? He's, he's somehow like, oh, I set your alarm at 3 a.m. It's so funny. Um, done one of those moves. And all of a sudden, uh, after just following ways, I pop out at a place on my route that has cut probably a good three minutes off my commute time and kept me away from three red lights. And I said, Bless your ways, ways. Thank you. <laughs> well, I will submit to ways. Like, wow, this is fantastic. The reason I tell you that story is because uh, I think all of us in here, we're being led by something. There's something internally driving us and pushing us in certain directions. The Bible tells us that every human soul is wired for intimacy and purpose. And in order to get those needs met, those are usually the driving motivation behind all your decisions, your directions, and your relationships. And we can submit to God's ways and get those met the way that the Bible tells us to, or we can go our own way and go, I I, I feel entitled to take this wherever I can get it, regardless of what God says to me. And the scripture we're going to read tonight just says, that's fine. One of those ways leads to life. One of those ways leads to death. And we're going to discover that our scripture in Romans 8 tonight says, for those of us who are led by the spirit of God are children of God. And I love it. And I want to lean into it. And I want to be led by the spirit more and more every day of my life. But it begs the question, what does it mean to be led by the spirit? Does anybody really want to get behind all this spirit talk, but at the same time raise your other hand and go, what exactly are we talking about? Um, Is it creepy? Is it weird? Is it the Holy Spirit or Holy Ghost? Which one? Somebody pick, because that's just, I don't know if I can work with that. Um, I think there's a lot of abuses and neglects when it comes to the third person in the Trinity. And so tonight as we read Romans chapter 8, I just want you to listen in for some of the indications that the Bible may give us of what it looks like to be led by the Spirit. So we'll be in Romans chapter 8, and we'll start in verse 12. I'm going to reread our text that Elena read to us, and I I love the chance to get to soak and saturate uh, in God's Word. Would you pray for me as you're turning there, or find an app that's not ways? Don't have Mr. T reading this out loud during our time together. That would be distracting. Jesus, would you go before us in this text and make a way? Holy Spirit, would you give us eyes to see and ears to hear? And together we say, speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. Amen. Therefore, brothers, we have an obligation, but it's not to the sinful nature to live according to it or be led by it. For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if you live by the Spirit, you will put to death the misdeeds of the body. You will live. Because those who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear. But you received the spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. 
I'll say the word of the Lord if you'll say thanks be to God. The word of the Lord. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. Did you catch some of the ways in which we can be led by the Spirit in that text? Guys, uh, I, I just, when I was reading and, and praying and contemplating through this text, uh, I just felt that question come up. Like, I had a couple ideas about where we're going to go tonight, and I thought they were pretty good. And the last five minutes of my time that I was spending with the Lord, I just asked, what does it mean to be led by the Spirit of God? And I just went down in Romans chapter 8 up until verse 17 and found 15 indications of what it looks like to be led by the Spirit. There's like landmines all over the place. You can't take a step without going, oh, led by the Spirit. Oh, led by the Spirit. Now, this is not a 15-point sermon for those of you just panicked if you're visiting. That's, that's not our style. Usually I like one-point sermons. I'm going to break the rules tonight and do three points, and it's just in verse 15. Okay, just in verse 15, what do we find out what it looks like to be led by the Spirit of God? So in verse 15, you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received a spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. So first thing is, for the people who are led by the Spirit of God or the children of God, we are free and we don't have to live in fear. We are free and we don't have to live in fear. Now, uh, if you put transparency, dang it, 80s references. Um, If you look underneath this, Paul is layering this incredible juxtaposition to Israel's exodus from slavery in Egypt into the promised land. It's woven throughout all uh, of this text. And what he's saying here, the same way, Israel was led out of bondage and slavery and fear and the God himself led them by fire and by a cloud every step of the way into this dangerous wide open wilderness into freedom the same way the spirit will lead us into this dangerous thing called freedom and this vast wide open space where you can experience life eternally here and now in the kingdom of God not just there and then. So we don't have to live in fear because we're free. So we are free and we don't have to live in fear, but I don't know about you, I still struggle with fear. Um, I still struggle to live into the freedom that God has called me. Do you struggle with that? Where, what about the bondage that I lived in for so long? What about the sinful sick habits I developed over so many years as a coping and survival technique that now are sabotaging my best efforts at relationship and life, but for some reason I can't stop doing them. I also know what it's like to live in fear. Is it, I'm constantly asking the question sometimes, which is why I have to preach the gospel to myself twice daily. Am I good enough and is God strong enough for me to actually live the life he's calling me to live? I don't know about you, but last week we talked about there's no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. And I stepped in a fat pile of condemnation last week. And it just kicked up old patterns of thinking. And I was driving in my Jeep, no radio, going rehearsing some old tapes in my head. And I literally said, no, there's no condemnation right now. Get behind me, Satan. And I had to tell Satan, no means no, but he's not a gentleman. So he kept on persisting. And so I just had to keep on going like that. No, stop. That's, that's death. That's slavery. That's bondage. That's you rehearsing old lies. I do not have to live in fear and I am free because of the power of Jesus Christ coursing through my veins because of the spirit. 
I don't know about you guys, do you find yourself rehearsing that stuff? And tonight, maybe you just showed up here tonight to hear that people who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God, and the children of God, we get to cry. We are free, and we don't have to live in fear. But it's difficult. And the nuance I want to make here, we don't have to live in fear again, the fear of slavery. Do you know the uh, Israelites, after they got out of slavery, and they discovered how much freedom would actually cost them, they said, we want to go back. Because at least we knew where our food was coming from. Out here, we have to depend on God every day. There's a certain fear that comes from slavery. But men and women, there's also a certain fear that comes to the freedom that God's calling you into. But you take every step with him. And what you'll find out when you're led by the Spirit into this vast open wilderness where a lot of us have to come out from being slaves into the wilderness so that slave can die and the son can truly live because we've been adopted. But we've got to realize that who the son sets free is free indeed. And every step that I take, I realize God's perfect love is casting out all fear. Every step that I take, I start to say crazy things like, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And I start to say crazy things like scripture that's saying, we're more than conquerors through Jesus Christ our Lord. And I take another step and realize there's nothing that can separate me from the love of Christ. Not height or depth, not present, not future, not things to come, not powers, not principalities. Nothing can separate me from the love of God because I'm a children of God led by the spirit of God and we are free and we don't have to live in fear. That's sermon one. You ready for the second one? For those of us who are led by the spirit of God, our children of God, we are free and we don't have to live in fear. Second thing you find out in verse Uh, 15 is we receive and we rejoice in our adoption. We receive and we rejoice in our adoption. Sounds simple, right? The spirit enables you to receive. It's not. It is incredibly difficult. As prideful, self-sufficient human beings, we despise interdependency because it's such an assault to who I am and the God I wanna be in my life to humble myself and say, not only do I need to receive, I want to receive and I wanna rejoice in the fact that I need it. We receive and we rejoice in our adoption and our broken humanity since the garden tells us this, hey, you're entitled and take what you want. So Eve takes the apple, Cain takes his brother's life Moses takes the life of an Egyptian shoulder because he can't wait on God's timing for justice and his ways for justice. And we continue to take. David takes Uriah's wife. And on and on and on it goes. Because sin inside of us says you're entitled. And you take what you deserve. But the Spirit says a different thing. He says, why don't you receive and be indebted to God's grace. Instead of being entitled, I become indebted. And instead of taking, I learn to receive. Two totally different things, isn't it? It's a different way to love. I wonder sometimes if we don't spiritually feel like we're playing a game of spoons. We're just waiting for someone to slap that card down and the first person who grabs a spoon, what's our gut instinct? There's not gonna be enough for me. And so I better get mine while I can because if I wait on God or wait on anybody else, I don't care if I push or shove or dominate out of the way. There are winners and there are losers and I better be a winner. 
But instead, God's economy says, hey, there's a seat at the table for all of you, and there's more than enough food at the king's table. You don't have to hoard. You don't have to lie. You don't have to cheat. You don't have to steal. And if you will simply receive, then you'll learn how to live indebted to my spirit with an attitude that says, thank you, Lord. I can't believe what you've done for me. Uh, I need the spirit when I pray to patiently help pry open my clenched fists that demand immediate gratification for my pride and lust. And once it's open, and once it's empty, then I can receive. And I can be indebted for what he places in my hands and his good and gracious timing. I don't know about you, man, but I, 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 I want to receive and rejoice like the prodigal at the party. I want to be dancing around in my father's robes of righteousness at how ridiculous I look and how ridiculous it is that this grand gesture of grace and this feast set, even though I've squandered my father's inheritance, his grace knows no limits or bounds. He just came running to me, so the last thing I can do is at least eat and dance. I don't know about you, I'm sick of being the older brother who stands outside of the party. Why? Because he's entitled and he wants to take his inheritance and he can't stand the fact of people who receive and rejoice in their inheritance. And some of you got some older brothers in your life, do not let it squelch your rejoicing and your receiving. Those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. And as the children of God, we are free and we don't have to live in fear. And we receive and we rejoice in our adoption question for you guys tonight is, have you received your adoption through Jesus or are you rejecting it? Second question is, are you rejoicing in it or do you resent it when you look at your brothers and sisters? That's sermon number two. Here's the last one. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. And as the children of God, we are free and we don't have to live in fear. We receive and we rejoice in our adoption. And we can and we will cry out, Abba, Father. I love that incredible word there, Abba. That's this delightful Aramaic word. A lot of commentators just go, this is the heartbeat of Romans 8. It's the Abba, Father prayer. It's the unbelievable and undeniable and inescapable access that we have to God as our Father because of Jesus being led by the Spirit. And I don't know about you, uh, I've spent a lot of time with this word. It's meant a lot to me, and it really holds a lot of my experience with the tenderness of Jesus and being able to approach my Father in a tender way, not just um, a, a, a respectful yet distance way. And some people, usually when we come to Abba, you usually have problems with this. Oh, that's too tender and it's not reverent enough. Or you have a problem with the fact that God is too distant and too holy that he's not even approachable. Abba melts both of those things together. A two-year-old, his first phonetic words that he'll put together are these two syllables, Abba. And it can stand the weight of a two-year-old understanding his approachability to God. And it can also handle the weight of a 52-year-old who's walked with his father and is showing him dignity and respect, realizing I have rights and responsibilities in your household, but you're still my Abba. And together, we will expand your kingdom and expand your table. And we just want to grow bigger and badder parties for those who are receiving and rejoicing in their adoption. And I want to be a part of that because I received it 
And I got a case of the can't help it. I can't help but to talk about and share what I've seen and I've heard. It's so deep down in me, it just flows out of me. Um, so I, I think I have a unique insight uh, into this word because of my family. So I'm a father of four, and all of them uniquely and distinctly show me uh, aspects of the father's love in different ways. But for my youngest son, Christopher, in case you lo- lack the powers of logical deduction, um, <laughs> He is not my biological son. <laughs> that makes him no less my son, though. So we got uh, to adopt Christopher, my beautiful brown-skinned boy who I love and who I adore. And when I come home and walk in the door, regardless if he's playing with his cars, watching his Kindle, whatever, he just smiles and goes, Daddy's home! Daddy's home! which I don't really know if he's excited to see me or just excited to be able to have a reason to shout. It's probably a little bit of both. And as a father, I'm okay with mixed motivations. And so is your heavenly father, all right? So that's great. My wife has this game she started with him that I've picked up on. She says, Christopher, do you love mommy a little bit or big giant? And if he says big giant, you get a hug, say, oh, that's great. But if he goes little bit, he starts to laugh and quenches up because he knows he's going to get tickled. So you tickle him until he starts laughing and can't breathe and it's carbonated happiness and finally he'll go, <laughs> big giant. And you'll stop and you'll walk away and you'll hear, little bit. <laughs> you run over and tickle that man some more until he pees his pants and it's just <laughs> awesome. So when he cries out, daddy that way, I love it. We're connected. I, I love being there for him. I love that he knows language that gets me to pursue him and is unafraid to use it. But also, nothing makes my heart leap more than when he's hurt, or he's afraid and he's alone and he's scared, and he cries out, Daddy. I know some of you in here tonight know Jesus as your Savior. My question is this, do you know God as your Abba? Because there's a certain type of connectedness that only comes when you cry out in pain and desperation and fear and loneliness and your instinct is to go, Abba, Father. And when you cry out, do you realize that because of the gospel and the work of Jesus Christ that you have a Father who comes running and rushing to your side? Not to scold you, not to chastise you, but to embrace you and teach you a different way to live walking with him every day in power and authority. That's the third sermon. What else, Lord? Audrey and I were, when I lived in South Carolina uh, about 15 years ago, we moved to town and we were going to different churches trying to figure out where our church home would be. And we went into this really old, cool-looking church, like wood beams, all that fun stuff. And not too many people there, wooden pews, straight A-frame type deal. Um, And we're getting ready to sing a hymn. And luckily at that point in my life, I had come as a son who was so excited about his 
adoption into the family of God, that it was no longer about what I was entitled to and could take, but it was actually about my indebtedness and my ability to receive. And so we're going to sing this old hymn, on, probably on a clunky piano, and it's, you know, it's not going to be my jam. It's probably not going to be the style of music I like or the words of the music that I naturally connect with, but I'm okay with that because I'm a part of a bigger family and my preferences aren't always what need to be met every single time. Uh, I once heard this, if you liked every song that was sung at your worship service, you probably weren't in an intergenerational worship service. So um, <laughs> we, 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 get, we open up the hymn book, we, we start to sing, and you know, it's just a blah, 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 and all of a sudden, I sound amazing. <laughs> now, I've made peace with God, I'm never going to sing well in other people's eyes. So don't get around me during worship if you're a pitch perfect Nazi, judgmental, arrogant person. God loves you. I'll just have a tough time with you. Um, but it's not, it's not going to stop my enthusiasm. And so I, I, I'm starting to deal with that. But all of a sudden we start saying, like, oh, wow, like the spirit of the Lord has come upon me. And for some reason I can sing awesome now. And so I'm just raising the volume. We, I, it's going great. And I'm looking around at this church going, it's, these people sound amazing together. And it's where you can hear everybody's voice. And I'm wondering if I'm having like a Shekinah moment, if I'm caught up in the third heaven, or I'm just seeing things as they really are and scales have fallen from my eyes and ears or something like that. And I just turned to my wife and said, Audrey, we sound amazing. <laughs> and she goes, and I turn around and in this church, their choir doesn't stand up front. It's seated in the back <laughs> in a balcony. So you never see them, but when they start to sing, it comes down and gets you caught up in this wave that all of a sudden you're like, wow. The verse after verse 15 says this, that the spirit testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. And when you start to practice saying, Abba, Father, and you say no to the condemnation that the enemy wants to sabotage your true identity in Christ with, and as feebly and as weak and as out of tune and as how awful or forced it may feel, and you cry, Abba, Father, out comes this chorus from the Holy Spirit and from the church reminding you who you are and whose you are, and it's an undeniable force that breaks into a chorus that finally we can cry out for those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. And as the children of God, we are free and we don't have to live in fear. We receive and we rejoice in our adoption. And we can and we will cry out, Abba, Father. Amen. So let's take 120 seconds and just listen in. Last week we practiced this, how to preach the gospel to yourself. So let's continuing to practice preaching the gospel to ourselves by using the Abba Father. So if you would just, because of Jesus and the work of the Holy Spirit, would you say, Abba Father, I want to be led by your spirit. Abba Father, I am free 
and I don't have to live in fear. Abba, Father, I receive and I rejoice in my adoption. Abba, Father, thank you that I can call you Abba, Father.